Welcome to the Life is Better With You Here podcast with Dr. Childs. Here, we want to help, and where there's help, there's hope. A short disclaimer, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy. If you feel you need treatment, we strongly suggest you visit a physician or go to withyouhere.org slash therapist for assistance finding a mental health provider. Our topic for today is suicide awareness with special guests, Dr. Josephine Ridley and Stacey Hubbard. Now here's our host, Dr. Childs. Hi, and welcome to the Life is Better With You Here podcast. My name is Dr. Shivana Childs, and today our topic is going to be suicide, education, conversation, and prevention. However, before we start, Let's ground ourselves with a mindful minute. So I want you to find a position to relax in as I take you on this guided meditation. So I want you to make yourself comfortable in your chair, couch, wherever you are. Adjust your body. Slide around until you feel the small of your back cradled by the chair that supports you. Your shoulders are relaxed, free, and loose, not tight. Think about yourself floating like a cloud. You are as light as a feather. Feel yourself soar freely like a bird, high in the air. Or feel like a leaf being carried by the currents of the wind. As you focus on these thoughts and feelings, you become more relaxed. To deepen this experience, allow yourself to relax fully. As I count backwards from 10 to one, with each descending number, you will be more and more relaxed. By the time I reach the number five, you will close your eyes. By the time I reach the number one, you will be in a deeper state of relaxation than you are now. 10, nine, eight, seven, six, Your eyes are closed. Or you are more relaxed. Three, you are drifting into a profound state of relaxation. Two, you are calm and relaxed. And one, fully relaxed. Begin to think about round objects. Walls of all different sizes. Now imagine one particular ball. Picture it in the form of a blown up balloon. Allow the image of this balloon to form clearly. Imagine it has been blown up to its maximum capacity. Once you have the balloon clear in your mind, imagine how this balloon feels. Full, 
intense and distended. Hold that thought for a moment. Now imagine letting go, deflating the balloon, releasing all the trapped air. Experience the sensation of the air as it lets go, pushing eagerly out, leaving the balloon empty. Relax and back in its natural form. As the balloon returns to its original shape, it is time for you too to return to your surroundings. As you come back, bring back with you any sensations or thoughts from this experience that you wish. Feel now the chair cradling your back and tune into my voice as you open your eyes and return to the room. Hello, listeners. This is a continuation of last week's episode. If you want to hear the full interview, be sure to watch episode four of the Life is Better with Your podcast. Now we will continue our discussion on protective factors with our host, Dr. Childs. That's wonderful. That's good. And thank you again, Stacey, um, for sharing, because you're right, you can remove one thing and something else can be available. So again, making your environment safe, and those are always part of the protective factors that we have that can protect us against suicide. Um, And again, like the individual relationship and community risk factors, there are also individual relationship and community protective factors. And I think Dr. Ridley hit on most of these. Um, And we've talked about some of these before in a prior podcast, but effective coping and problem solving skills. Um, Dr. Ridley uh, had a joke before, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. (laughs) So if we stay ready with our coping skills and our problem solving skills, if we enrich those, those will serve us well when we are feeling in times that we need to end it all or we don't want to be here or any of things like that or when we have a loved one that feels like that. Um, A reason for living. There's always a reason for living. Our family, our friends, our pets, us. You know, again, our podcast is called Life is Better With You Here. It's called that for a reason, because it's true. Life is better with you here. We have purpose. You know, these problems are temporary. Anything could change tomorrow. Like Dr. Ridley said, from five minutes to an hour, the situation, how you feel about it can change. Um, A strong sense of cultural identity. Tap into your cultural strengths. See what's there for you. We all come from a place of strength and tapping into that. For our relationships, finding supports from positive partners, positive friends, positive family members. Heritage word, positive. People who feed you, people who add to your life, okay? Feeling connected to others, very, very important. Um, People who uplift you or the community, feeling connected to a school, community, your religious, community and other social institutions, um, availability to consistent and high quality physical and behavioral health care, 
um, making sure you have a primary care physician or a nurse practitioner that you can be a part of or a community mental health center that has all of those things available to you. Social factors, reduce access to lethal means like we were discussing before um, for people at risk, cultural, religious, or moral obligations or objections uh, to suicide. Those are factors. So, you know, doing those things and honestly, you know, when I talk to patients about suicide, you know, we do the suicide risk assessment. And one of the things that I have learned to add is I always ask, is it that you want to die or is it that you just don't want to feel like this anymore? And oftentimes, nine times out of 10, it's not that they don't, they want to die. They just don't want to feel like this anymore. And sometimes I'll say, you know, it would be nice if the world was like a, a merry-go-round and you could just stop the ride and get off for a few minutes, let the world go on a few revelations and then get back along. Sometimes we just need a reprieve. Suicide is not the reprieve we need. Sometimes we need a break. If that means checking yourself in um, for a psychiatric evaluation to a mental health or behavioral hospital, those are nice breaks that we need sometimes to just to reset. And it is okay to reset because it's better for you to be here. You know, this is a ripple effect. You know, what you're doing for yourself can ripple to what you do for others. You're important. You're needed here. So those are the things we want to do. So we want to look at some of the warning signs because, and I'll ask Dr. Riley's opinion on this, you know, back in the day, they would say the, one of the warning signs is that people are giving things away, even if they're happy or sad, if they're giving things away, that's one of the warning signs. Um, that can be one of the warning signs, but there are a few more warning signs that we can look at, such as talking about being a burden particularly in our older adults, we'll start to hear that a lot. Oh, I don't want to be a burden on you. You know, it just put me in a nursing home. There is a high suicide rate in our older population at times because they feel like a burden. Um, being isolated, you know, that's one of the warning signs. Increased anxiety, that ADHD, that impulsivity, um, our anxiety about being in the world, what's going on in the world, what's going on with us. Talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain. You know, pain can be something else. And if we feel like we can't get out of it, we often start to think of ways that we can. And sometimes our thought processes, like Dr. Riva said, they just aren't on point. We're not thinking clearly and we're in pain. Increased substance use, not an effective coping skill. It decreases our ability to think logically. It takes away our good judgment. Um, looking for a way to access lethal means. It's just important that we clear our house out as much as we can, okay? Increased age, rage, or anger. Extreme mood swings, because our mood goes up and down, and we don't know where we are from one minute to the next. Expressing hopelessness, helplessness, worthlessness, sleeping too little or too much. Um, Watching posts about people wanting to die, not helpful, okay? Or posting or talking about wanting to die um, or making plans for suicide. So those are some of the warning signs that we can see from people, some of the things that we can look for. And that's a list of some of the things, but it's, it's not an inclusive list. There's so many other things that we can look for. 
but knowing your loved one and knowing what's normal and not normal for them. Excellent. I would, I would say well said. Um, all of those things, and and you know, um, the the first organization to really try to put something together for the community at large to you know for as far as warning signs goes uh, was the American Association of Suicidology. They had uh, based on a literature search looking at all of the studies finding warning signs, which overlap a lot with risk factors. But the difference, the main difference between warning signs and risk factors is proximity. Warning signs tend to tell you, hey, this is imminent. This is about to happen. Uh, think of it in terms of um, like a, a yellow light or, you know, that, that warns you that the light's about to turn red. Um, if we took that heart attack uh, metaphor, um, for a warning sign for a heart attack might be chest pain and shortness of breath and, you know, excessive sweating, cold sweat. It would be a, a bunch of things. You know, if you go to, they, they even include nausea as a, mm -hmm. as a warning sign for heart attack, right? Well, if you go to the hospital and you say, I've got nausea, which is one of the warning signs for a heart attack, they're not going to admit you. But if you've got nausea and chest pain, they probably will. And so the same thing kind of goes with suicide. If you Unless it's one thing that's really extremely important, like chest pain alone may mm -hmm. get you admitted to the hospital. So someone threatening to kill themselves could be a warning sign that would get a person admitted. But um, taken in isolation. So, for example, you mentioned um, increase in substance use. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself is not, not enough for us to say, okay, well, that person's at imminent risk for suicide. Let's hospitalize them. But it is one of the warning signs. I would say with something like that, you'd need um, a constellation of warning signs mm -hmm. and not one isolated one. So they vary in significance as far as can you have this one thing and it be considered something that indicates the person's at imminent risk. Again, warning signs are different from risk factors in their um, proximity to the occurrence. They seem to signal that it's about to happen, whereas risk factors are background factors that can't seem to um, increase a person's vulnerability to suicide. Mm -hmm. They just overall increase vulnerability, but don't indicate that it's about to happen. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So sometimes it's, it's important for us to be able to to make that distinction. Um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, we all mm -hmm. suffer from something called hindsight bias, where we think, "Oh, I should have known," or "I, you know what? Now that I think about it, I I could have done this, right. or I should have said that." You know, what I tell my clients who've lost loved ones to suicide is that our mind, when we've experienced the trauma of losing a loved one, and it doesn't matter if you've lost someone to cancer or heart attack or car accident or suicide, it's traumatic for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that person was a major part of your life. And while we don't necessarily consider losing someone that we love to, to death outside the range of human, normal human experiences, so we don't put that in, in under the the um, category of PTSD trauma, I still feel like it's traumatic for you to lose anybody you love to any for any reason when that person's been a major part of your life. Suicide is even harder because it is it feels and we know in some ways we can prevent it, but in other ways it feels like we can't. Um, so there's a part of us that goes back and we do all this you know hindsight thinking mm -hmm. of what if I had. It's just your brain's attempt to undo something that's so painful. 
and unimaginable. That's well, and I really worry about people who've lost loved ones to suicide, doing a whole bunch of self blame. The worst thing we can do around suicides are blame hospitals, blame providers, blame family members, blame loved ones, blame friends. No one's to blame. Suicide is a complex issue. It's not linear. I can't, you know, Dr. Childs just um, listed off amazing list of risk factors. We can't, we, we're not machines. So it's not like you check off, okay, they got this many risk factors and then they're going to do it. So let's put them in a hospital. You never can do it that way. We do not have crystal balls. None of us do. Not family members, not loved ones. It is not necessary to blame someone when someone dies of a heart attack. And it is not necessary to blame someone when someone dies by suicide. It's not the family's fault. It's not the provider's fault. It's not anyone's fault. It's an awful tragedy that we want to prevent. And so we're learning as much as we can. And we're running as hard as we can to try to work to, to help people know as much as they can about preventing. I, I have one really good example. Everybody has, is pretty familiar with this show called The Biggest Loser. The mm -hmm. Biggest Loser is a weight loss show, right? Where they have trainers, right? One of the trainers, Bob Harper, he had wonderful protective factors against heart attack. He was exercising. He was eating healthy. He was, you know, he knew all the, he was doing all the right things. He didn't have any risk factors for, for heart attack. And now he's on a commercial selling heart medicine mm -hmm. because he had a heart attack. So we, it's sometimes these things are not as predictable as we wish they could be. We do suicide prevention and risk formulation to, in order to be able to plan and help people to prevent suicide. We cannot predict. Right. And I, you know, I just wanted to hear from Stacy for a moment. If you can share, I know this is painful, but to share with families out there who've lost loved ones, what you went through when you lost your two beautiful people out of your life. Yeah, I, um, Courtney was obviously very recent and um, having her be my youngest child, you know, it's it, it hits hard. It's rough. Um, I have better days sometimes than others. Um, I know I'm going to have bad days. And, so just knowing that I'm, it's going to happen. So just kind of trying to prepare for that and not get on myself if I do have a bad day. Um, you know, Courtney, she had a um, traumatic event. Um, she watched her grandfather um, drown in front of her. Um, so she had a lot of PTSD and that's where her anxiety and her depression all stemmed from. She was eight at that time. Um, so I was forewarned at that time. I immediately got her into counseling and, you know, I did everything I could to, you know, I'm in healthcare. So I see this all the time. I work with children. Um, mm -hmm. So I tried to jump on it right away to make sure that she would be able to deal with everything. And so, you know, I was told as she gets older, especially in her teen years, when she's able to start, you know, comprehending more, really realizing what's going on, um, processing differently, just that, you know, sh she could have some more issues as a teen about this. So I was on the watch for that, you know, and I would bring her in at least once a year to see her, um, 
psychologist, uh, just to, and her counselors, just to make sure that we're staying on top of everything. And, and they were right. About 13, she started having a lot more depression, anxiety issues. Um, she was having nightmares. She was, I mean, so everything was kind of ticking up and, and slowly, um, you know, all those risk factors and, and symptoms and different things that you guys were talking about is they started kind of showing. Um, so even, even if you're on top of it and Mm -hmm. you're really trying to prevent things, I mean, Courtney was very open. Um, you know, I consider her an old soul. That girl, I mean, at the age of 15, she had more insight to the world than somebody that I've seen in their forties. Um, I mean, it was just amazing how she could just kind of look at, look at things and see the positives and, you know, except for herself. She, for some reason, she just could not get past that in herself. Um, but she, I mean, she was very open and talking to everybody. I mean, she wanted to see counselors. She wanted to talk about things. She was very open with me when she was having, you know, bad day or bad week. Um, she was worried about anything, um, right before, uh, about the month or two before she passed away. Um, we had a very long conversation about her isolating herself up in her room and not coming out and seeing people, you know? So she took a lot of effort to come downstairs and watch TV with us and um, just to have conversations, cook dinner like we used to. Um, So like she was, she was very open. She would talk to her friends about her mental illness and, um, you know, talk to them about making sure that they're taking care of themselves too. Um, so her, her friends were all very, um, very open with me too, you know, because Courtney would tell them, well, my mom understands. My mom will talk to you if you need anything. And I seen a lot of that after she passed. Um, I still have her friends come over or call me or text me, um, just saying, you know, hey, I'm having a bad day. I'm thinking a lot about Courtney. You know, and we would we'll sit and talk about things, and you know, they'll thank me for always being there for them. And they said, "We see where Courtney gets it from." You know, oh. so that's always good to hear <laughs> that I had a, a positive influence on my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did, <laughs> but you know, it's like with. With her mental illness, um, I, I don't know how many times she would come downstairs and and tell me, Mom, she goes, I found myself out on the roof. I don't know how I got there. I don't remember it. And, you know, she said, I don't want to hurt myself. I don't know why I was out there. And she would be scared, shaking and crying, just, you know. So a lot of what you guys were saying were, was really resonating with me that, you know, it's, it's not that she wanted to die. She just wanted the pain to go away for a while mm-hmm. and, the, and the anxiety and, and, you know, all those symptoms. She just wanted that to go away. So, 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Thank you so much, Stacey. Tell me, what do you do to take care of yourself these days? What do you do for self-care? Oh, I've got lots of things I try to do. Um, the uh, main one is ride my motorcycle. Nice. It is, it is my stress relief. Um, just being able to get out and ride and just kind of let the thoughts go out of my mind, you know, got to concentrate on the road and, and everybody else. And it's just, it's calming for me. Um, so it's your therapy. It's my therapy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and winter's coming up and being in Ohio, we do not necessarily have the best weather for, uh, Right. Riding a motorcycle. So um, my uh, staff at work and friends and everything, they all are like, oh, God, here comes winter. We got to got to really help Stacy through this because uh, <laughs> her therapy's going away. <laughs> yeah. Stacey, so what do you do oh, in the winter? I'm so sorry. I was just going to say, well, what do you do in the winter? Um, well, I recently picked up exercising. Um, oh, good. So I think. That has been a big help. Um, I had gastric bypass last year, uh, the end of December. So we, um, I'm almost a year in. Nice. And uh, that in itself, just losing all the extra weight, I've lost about 85 pounds now. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Very nice. You know, and with that is diet change. It is really concentrating on your um, your mental health, your um making time for yourself and not always, you know, doing everything for everybody else. And I know nice. That's a big issue for me. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that in myself. And I recognized it in Courtney too, because she did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just trying to find little things to kind of help me. I uh, like to do diamond painting. So I usually pick that up a lot during the winter. Wow. Um, it's it's basically like paint by number with little plastic uh, pieces. It's, yeah, it's a... Uh, very intricate. It takes a lot of very attention. Very intricate. takes a long time, but mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of... It's relaxing to me. Wonderful. That is so important that, you know, you share that because you're moving through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important for our listeners to know that even if you're having thoughts... You can treat them like thoughts. You don't have to hold on to them. And you definitely don't have to act on them. And that that pain is temporary. That even though it feels like there's no other way to end that pain, there really are other ways to end that pain. And sometimes you do just need to distract yourself. It may seem very simple or over simple, but distracting yourself just to stop the, you know, feeling of being overwhelmed and the racing thoughts and all the stuff hitting you at once. And I love that Stacy kind of shared about the ministry of no. You can't do everything. You've got to learn to say no sometimes. And, you know, when we pile up a whole bunch of things to do, we can easily feel like we're letting people down. But I promise you, if we're going to survive, then we can let that go. Okay? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't all get done, it won't be the end of the world. And maybe people might fuss at you, but you'll all survive it. So learn to, to have balance with the, the big, long list. Take it from a, a, a workaholic. <laughs> I can tell you that I take on too much, but I'm also taking the perspective that anything that doesn't get done can get done tomorrow. 
and any deadline that's missed, oh, well, if we're still living, we're going to be okay. <laughs> and we can let some things go. Learn the ministry of no. The most unselfish thing you can do is to take good care of yourself so you can be there for others. It's not so much just about putting yourself first. It's putting yourself first so that you can be there to support the other people that you care about. You're not any good to them if you're passing out. That's why the airline attendants always tell us to put our mask on first, because if you want to be some good to others, you have to really take good care of yourself and notice your own signs of fatigue and burnout, right? Those are real things. Even provider burnout is a real thing. Compassion fatigue is a real thing. And while Stacey is being there for everybody, it sounds like she's recognizing when she does need to fill up herself. So appreciate you. I do too. I love your self-care routine. Um, 110% agree with everything Dr. Ridley just said about you. It's amazing. I'm glad that you did that. I love you sharing your story about Courtney and what it felt like and that you did everything you could do. And, you know, what happened happened. But you were the best you could be. And that's awesome. Um, I also want to hear about the ways that you honor her. Oh, I've got several different ways. Um, well, since I've lost all the weight, I'm now about about the same size that Courtney was um, when she passed. So she has a very eclectic taste in clothes. Some of them I will never be able to pull off ever. <laughs> but this sweater is one of her favorites. So I've started wearing it now. Um I've got a couple of other different things that I, I'll bring out every now and again when I want to feel close to her. Wow. I love that. She, uh, her nickname in school was Corgi. Uh, her favorite animal, obviously, is a Corgi. Um, she had her dog, Pixel. Um, we had gotten her to be her therapy dog um, shortly before she passed. And um, unfortunately, I don't have Pixel anymore. Um, she, uh, Tried to play with the chickens across the street. And, yeah, it didn't go so well. So now I have my new, so my new corgi. Just got her last night. And this is uh, Selena. Her ears <laughs> haven't flipped up yet. She's a corgi. She's about eight weeks old. And so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she She's just curled up in my lap. She's a cuddler, so which is great because, you know, right. and that's what you need when you gotta have some snuggle time to help you relax um but i'm planning on um first off uh training her to be a therapy dog too nice. um i think she's got the right temperament for it and everything mm-hmm. so i'm uh, gonna get her started early on that <laughs> and um part of her training also is going to be uh to be able to ride my motorcycle with me oh nice so, yeah, yeah, she's got, I'm going to get her doggles and a helmet and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Very nice. That's but, uh, so wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have her all trained up and ready to go. Or um, I do a motorcycle benefit ride for the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation and also a uh, um, scholarship that's in her name at our local high school, Indian nice. Lake High School here. Um, so we kind of split the money. Uh, we do like an art uh, this last year, we did an all day arts and crafts fair 
And um, we also uh, do this benefit ride. We start down at uh, Dayton, you know, Buckeye Harley-Davidson, and then we ended up here at Indian Lake. Um, so if people want to ride, ride in the motorcycle benefit ride, um, that's great. So it in, in really puts in my love of motorcycles. Uh, and, and, you know, most people that ride motorcycles are very, very good about, you know, they can, they can ride for free. You know, they could go out <laughs> ride anywhere. But a lot of um, people who ride will actually go in, to these benefits and pay money to ride in the benefit to help with these different fundraising events. So nice. Um, so that's that's uh, what I ended up doing. I actually uh, did the first ride. Um, it would have been eight months after Courtney passed. We had yeah. her first ride. Um, so it's called Corgi's Run for Suicide Prevention. So. Um, what was that first ride like? Were there lots of tears? Oh, yes. Lots of tears, lots of happy moments. Um, seeing all the support that I had. Um, yeah, it was hard to get through it, but it was also um, therapeutic for me, too. Yeah. And I, I think a lot for her friends also, because a lot of her friends came out to the end of the ride. Obviously, they don't ride motorcycles a whole lot. Um, but you know, ha having them out there and knowing that we can still support each other mm -hmm. is, is a big thing. I hear a lot of love. That's oh, what absolutely. I hear. Yeah, absolutely. It's It yeah. sounds beautiful. And I love the way that you honor her. I love that. That's a beautiful legacy. Yeah. So I, I thank a, you for sharing that. Thank you. I have a Facebook page and Instagram page too called Embrace Love Corgi's Foundation. Um, that's the foundation I kind of started um, for Courtney and it's uh, one for the scholarship funds, um, but also the point of, you know, social media. Courtney would always complain to me that social media was so negative. Yeah. All the time. So one of the big things with her is she was always going around trying to help people and make them happy and, you know, even just talk to them if they were upset. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing is she would go and, and find the kids that were, you know, sitting in the corner, not talking to anybody, uh, didn't have any friends, that sort of thing. She would purposely find those kids, grab them, pull them into her friend group. And, they, you know, all her friends that were like that, they said that was the change in their life. You know, oh, a lot yeah. of them were like, uh, one in particular, one of her really good friends, um, he, uh, he was so socially awkward. So, I mean, he just had such a hard time talking to people. And he had told me after she passed, she goes, I, you know, I just wanted to be a friend. I just wanted to talk to her because she was always so, you know, happy and cheerful and, and, you know, she was artistic and. You know, she loved music and all this stuff. He goes, I just wanted to be your friend, but I was afraid to talk to her. I didn't think she'd ever be my friend. And he said, the best thing that happened was when she grabbed me and pulled me in and made me talk. <laughs> nice. Uh, what would have been their senior year, um, he was actually in the high school musical and he was like one of the best characters <laughs> on the high school. That's amazing. He said, I would have never been able to do that had it not been for Courtney. 
I she touched a lot of flies. She touched a lot of babies. She had a legacy. Yeah. She's leaving a legacy. <laughs> beautiful soul. Beautiful mm-hmm. person. Beautiful young lady. Yeah. One of the one of the hashtags that we have is I don't know you, but I love you. Oh, and that was nice. the theme it. of Courtney's life. I mean, mm-hmm. she didn't care who you were. She was some some random stranger. She would come up and say, Hi, I love you. And just keep on going, you know. <laughs> what a beautiful kid what a beautiful soul beautiful beautiful so grateful that you shared her with us yes thank you stacy that was amazing so as we wrap up um dr ridley are there any suggestions to help somebody who is dealing with suicidal thoughts you know one of the things that i want to point out that's our greatest asset right now is our crisis line. We have a national suicide prevention lifeline out there that anybody can use. And even if you're not suicidal, but you're having an emotional crisis, you can use it. And the great news is we don't have to remember that long 1-800 number. We can say 988. So yes. listen, if you are out there, there is 24-hour support. The people who support those lines, the people who um, people those lines are amazing. They're trained to be there for you. They're awake in the middle of the night. When you are hurting and you feel alone, they are there. You can text 988 or you can call 988. We also have um, the ability to do a text chat through di- um, texting 741741. You just text for hope to 741741. So you can either text 988 or you can text 741741. If you want to talk and you're old-fashioned like the rest of us on this call today, yes. you can call 988. It does not matter who you are, what time of the day. It is a free call, and they will talk to you as long as you need. You never have to suffer alone. And there's wonderful resources, and people care about you. You know, if you really think about it, there's a lot of people fighting for your freedom. There's a lot of people out there to support you and protect you. We have hospitals that treat everybody, regardless of their ability to pay. They have to accept you. If you're in a crisis and you're, you know, you're having an emergency, they got to treat you. That's because you matter. You count. You're important. Absolutely. And every life is important. We don't Absolutely. think anyone should, you know, is, it should go to this wayside. I know it seems like a lot right now, but you know what? Many hands make light work. And if we pull together, we can lighten each other's load. When you see a lot of hate out there, do your extra to show love like Courtney did. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, something amazing happens on the inside of you. There's a whole branch of psychology called positive psychology that has demonstrated that simple principles like gratitude can change our mental health. You go ahead and reach out. You go ahead, reach out when you need help, but reach out when you see someone needing help. Reach out randomly to your friends just to say, hey, reach out to people you haven't talked to in a long time. We have so much in common and we really do have the ability to help each other and meet each other's needs. The truth is humans are pack animals. We are not meant to be alone. I know there's a big growing push for this thing of, you know, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. I don't care what label you apply it. We really need social connectedness. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what protects us. That's what keeps us alive. So even if you think you get your energy from being alone, reach out sometimes. 
and don't suffer in silence. Learn to distract yourself when your thoughts are becoming overwhelming. I'm so grateful again, Dr. Childs, for you having me and having Stacy here today. And I'm just, my heart is full and I'm, I love the stories and I want everyone out there to know there is always, always hope. Don't give up. And I thank you, Dr. Ridley and Stacey for being here. This was an amazing podcast. I loved it. I loved everything about it. The stories were great. Dr. Ridley, you summarized everything about the podcast, self-care, reach out. We're here for you. There's tons of people here for you. Um, and again, our podcast is called Life is Better With You Here because life is better with you here. We're here for you. Um, I want you to remember suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary situation. There's always tomorrow. So my challenge to you is to write a list of your protective factors and place it in a place where you can read it daily, where you can see daily how you are loved, how you love yourself. Write a love letter to yourself, how great you are. Yes, how great you are. Not being self-centered. It's called love. Love on you. And then list of people around you that love you, that uplift you. You're supposed to be here and we can help. Everybody struggles. You don't have to do it alone. And my positive affirmation, and there are three, so I just couldn't pick one. <laughs> but um, remember the time that you thought you couldn't survive. You did. And you can do it again. Today may be bad, but tomorrow unwraps new beginnings. This day will be over, and I will be glad I made it through. There's always tomorrow. And it's always going to be better if you're here. And regardless of what your mental health journey looks like, life is always better with you here. Take care, and we will see you soon. Hi, Selena. You guys say hi to everybody? Yes. <laughs> this has been the Life is Better with You Here podcast with Dr. Childs and our special guest, Dr. Ridley and Stacy Hubbard. For more episodes, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and many more. We would also like to give gratitude to our sponsors, the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation and Global Insight Productions, without whom we wouldn't be able to do this. For more information about our sponsors, please visit ohiospf.org and globalinsightpro.com. And for more details about our guests, use the resources below in the description or on your screen. Don't forget to visit our website, withyouhere.org. We look forward to seeing you next week. And if you have any suggestions for future episode topics, send us a message through the link in the description or the message button if you're using the Anchor site. If you or someone you love is in crisis, please call 988 or text Steve, S-T-E-V-E, to 741-741 for free and confidential support 24-7. And again, thank you.